All right, take your Bibles and turn to two places in your New Testament. First one is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And then Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. I really, every time I, every time I read or glance over at Ephesians 4.32, uh, that was, I, I think every family has got a verse that is probably quoted more in their home than any other verse. I don't know, I know that's true in our home, and I've heard it true in other people's, uh, the one that we, we did the most, I think, was Ephesians 4.32, especially that first part, be ye kind one to another, you know. But uh, uh, every time I, I see that verse, I think of our family, and I think of the, the, the uh, blessing that uh, that verse has been uh, to the Dunbar home. Let's all stand together, if you would, and we'll... Uh, We'll read both verses. I'd like you to read along with me out loud together in unison. First of all, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Let's read it together. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now go with me to Colossians chapter 3. And look down at verse 13. Let's read that one also together out loud in unison. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Let's read together. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to know that we are forgiven. It's good to know that uh, our sins are underneath the blood of Christ. If we have trusted you and you alone as our personal Savior, uh, we have forgiveness of sins. It's not something we're going to get in the future. It's something that we have already. And it's not only, not only forgiveness of past sins and of present sins, but even of sins that have not yet been committed. And that's, that's why we can sing that song in confidence, He Will Hold Me Fast, because it has to do with what you have done for us, not what we do, but what you've done. And we just simply trust you as our Savior and ask you to give us forgiveness of sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're thankful for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you'd work in our hearts about this morning being forgiven to others. Because we have received much forgiveness, we are expected to give much forgiveness in return. We pray that your blessings would be upon this time together in your word. We pray that the Spirit of God would have free rule and free reign in our hearts as you speak to us this morning. May we respond to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Title of the message really comes right, right, right out of the text, uh, out of both of those texts, and that is forgiving, forgiving one another. 
Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, As God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And then Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, As Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. And in fact, one of the greatest things that we can ever receive from God is forgiveness. And forgiveness is just simply the, the, the pardoning of an offender by which he is considered and treated as not guilty. It doesn't mean you're no longer guilty. It doesn't mean you no longer have to suffer the consequences. But what it does mean is that you are forgiven for your transgressions. You're forgiven for your sins. And when a person trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, there are two uh, levels of forgiveness that enter into that individual's life. First level is the, the, the level of, the, of positional forgiveness. What I mean by positional forgiveness is just simply we receive forgiveness for all of our sins, past, present, and future, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, when we, we ask him to be our Savior, we believe on him, we believe on his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we, we have a repentant attitude about our sins, and we trust him as Savior, the Bible says he gives us forgiveness of all sins. So the moment you get saved, you're forgiven of all your sins. There are some that have taken that and said, well, because that's true, you don't ever have to confess sin to God from that day forward. You just go about your life, just, just living your life in a, uh, in a haphazard way, even if you want to, because your sins are all forgiven. Now, that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's two levels of forgiveness. The first level is the positional level, and that's what you enter into the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The second one is now made available to you on a daily basis, and this is practical forgiveness. And this is, this is forgiveness of our sins on a day-by-day -day basis. When we've transgressed against God, we can go to God, and he is always faithful, and he is always just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's based upon on, uh, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's some people that have applied to that and said that that is a salvation verse. That is not a salvation verse. You read the context of the first chapter of, of uh, 1 John, it's talking about our fellowship with God once we have been saved. And once, once you've been saved, you have fellowship with God. That fellowship, however, can be broken, and it can be broken through sin. When, when a person trusts Christ as Savior, your positional uh, forgiveness gives you sonship. You become a child of God. As many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, to as many of them that believe on his name. So when you trust him as Savior, you have forgiveness that gives you sonship. Then on a day-by-day -day basis, you have the, the, the possibility of having, even after you've sinned, renewed fellowship with God. And that's what, that's what the practical forgiveness is all about. Uh, that, that forgiveness is, is given to us when we, when we confess our sins on a day-by-day -day basis. The fellowship has been broken. Now the fellowship is restored. 
So you've got positional forgiveness, which gives us sonship. We've got practical forgiveness on a day-by-day basis that gives us, that gives us a, a fellowship and renews our fellowship with him. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And look down with me in Ephesians 1 to verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. His riches of his grace are absolutely unlimited. So your forgiveness when you trust Christ as Savior is unlimited as well. Uh, again, the uh, Bible says if we, once we trust Christ as Savior and get that positional forgiveness, then we have that, that ability on a day-by-day basis to get our sins forgiven so that that fellowship can be restored. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and then the verses that we read said that we ought to forgive others. In Ephesians 4, as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Uh, we're supposed to give forgiveness just like Christ has given forgiveness to us. And one of, the, one of the greatest things we can ever give to others, the greatest thing you can ever receive is personal forgiveness from God. That's salvation. One of the, the, the greatest things that you can give to somebody else is forgiveness because Christ has forgiven you. In, in return, you now have the ability to forgive others. And it, it shows our understanding and it shows our our great appreciation of the forgiveness that Christ has given to us. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be quite frank with you. There is no one that has ever transgressed against me, that has ever sinned against me, that has ever of, of done an offense against me, that has been even close to as great of an offense as I have been in my lifetime to God. And I think when you understand that, when you realize the immensity of the forgiveness that you have received from God because of salvation, and then on a day-by-day basis in order to to, uh, restore fellowship, it, it makes you understand and be willing to give forgiveness to others. Uh, giving forgiveness to others is an avenue that God uses to allow his love for others to flow through us. And one of the ways we show that is by, is by forgiveness. Um, in, uh, I've been told, I, I read this in several different places. Uh, in East Africa, there's a, there's a small blue flower that, uh, that grows on the ground. They call it the forgiveness flower. In fact, I've uh, on, on the internet, they claim that there are several different flowers that are, are called forgiveness flowers. Uh, but this one in particular, every time it is crushed, it always emits an aromatic uh, odor. It it's always uh, makes a, a very pleasant odor in the air. And that's, that's a, a picture 
of someone getting crushed by an offense and yet being forgiven, uh, forgiving in their spirit. It, it sure is different, isn't it, than what we have around here? How many of you ever, how many of you know what a stink bug is? Let me see your hands. Okay, you know what a stink bug is? How many of you ever made a mistake and taken one of those bugs and, and you wanted to kill it so bad because it's, they're ugly? Did you ever really look at one of those stink bugs? Those things are ugly. They really are. How many of you ever taken one of those and crushed it? Did you ever do that? No, not us. We're not stupid like you, preacher. We don't do that kind of thing. Well, I've done it, okay? And I'll admit it. I've crushed, I, I put them, I, I thought, well, you know what? I'll put it in a, in a Kleenex. And that way I won't smell it. No, no it goes through the Kleenex, okay? It, it's just, it's, it's terrible. You know, I, I got to thinking as I was getting this message ready. I wonder what we're like. Are we more like the flower that when it gets crushed gives a sweet aroma? Or are we more like the stink bug <laughs> that every time it gets crushed, it just stinks to high heaven? You know, if we really have an understanding and a comprehension and appreciation for this forgiveness that we've received in Christ, we should be more like the flower. Uh, one, of the, one, one of the most damaging things that there is in the Christian life is an unforgiving spirit. I've seen it. I've had it. I've, 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 I've allowed bitterness to get in there. And that's what happens. Uh, if you don't forgive, eventually you'll become bitter, you'll become disillusioned, you'll become uh, negative, you'll become very critical. There's just a lot of things that happen when an unforgiving spirit comes in. And when you have one, in reality, if you think about it, you really think that you're superior to those who refuse to forgive. Uh, those you refuse, those that you refuse to forgive. Uh, if if you refuse to to forgive someone, the truth of the matter is you're actually even worse than they are. Uh, you you uh, people that are not willing to forgive and have an unforgiving spirit uh, are are super sensitive. Uh, they can be easily offended. They. Um, uh, unforgiveness causes antisocial behavior. It causes uh, with people to withdraw from people. It, it, it uh, gives people a desire to be a spectator rather than a participator. And, and you, can, you can become very lonely. You can become very critical. And uh, a person can become very nervous when they, when they don't have a forgiving spirit. Um, I, I've seen this, and, and it shows up in Scripture. Uh, a person with an unforgiving spirit can be very aggressive and can be a, given to anger. Um, you, you look in Scripture, and there was a fellow by the name of Asahel. It was during a battle. Asahel was bound and determined to go after a fellow by the name of Abner. And so he chased after Abner, uh, and he was he was. The intent was to kill him. And Abner several times said, look, you don't want to do this. Look, would you please turn away? I don't want to have to hurt you. I can hurt you. I will hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And uh, he ended up uh, taking the end of his spear. And 
Back in Bible times, they not only had a head on the spear, but they oftentimes had a point at the end of the spear so that when they were uh, traveling, they could take that spear when they stopped and they could put it into the ground and it would stand upright. So he probably had a pointed spear on both ends. Uh, one end was wood and the other end was a metal point. But uh, he took that, that end of the spear and he thrust it into Asahel. He killed him. He killed him. And uh, Asahel's brother was Joab. Joab was a, a vindictive kind of fella. He, you know, one of the things that Joab is not known for is this forgiving sweet spirit, <laughs> okay? Uh, you cross Joab, you're done. You're through. And uh, so what did he do? Well, he ended up deceiving Abner and taking him uh, in, in private, just, just killing him in cold blood. Uh, that's what happens. That's the kind of attitude that we, that we develop an aggressive attitude, an angry attitude when we don't have a forgiving spirit. And it can cause you to, to lose your sense of humor. It breeds impatience. It just, uh, it just does not make you a pleasant person. One of the things that God wants us to do, and it's obvious through Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, you see it over and over again, that God just basically says this. He says, listen, I have forgiven you. So then no matter what other people do to you, because you've received forgiveness from me, take that forgiveness, turn it around, and pass it on to others. But in order to do that, you've got to have a forgiving spirit. How, what can we do on a day-by-day on a day basis in order to develop a spirit of forgiveness, because it's obvious God wants us to have it. He tells us, as Christ has forgiven you, so, so, should, so should you also forgive others. So there's, there's some specific things that we can do in order to develop a forgiving spirit. Number one is obvious. you got to be forgiven by God first yourself. You need to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. Be absolutely confident of that. When I, when I got forgiven of all my sins, it was February 20th, 1969. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. I was 17 years old. All of my sins went under the blood of Jesus Christ that day. Uh, I got absolute, total, complete forgiveness of all my past sins, all my present sins, and all my future sins. The reason why I can be so confident that I'm going to heaven has absolutely nothing to do with me and my life. It has everything to do with Christ's forgiveness of my sins. And because he has forgiven me all my sins, I can be confident of heaven. Uh, you can't be, you, you can't uh, uh, be forgiven uh, even in, until you first realize that you're in need of it. And you need to come to God and say, listen, I'm a sinner. I deserve to die and go to hell for all eternity. I, I deserve eternal punishment because I've sinned against an eternal holy God. And uh, Lord, because of that, I'm coming to you, throwing you and myself at your mercy. I deserve hell for all eternity. I'm throwing myself at your mercy uh, and uh, asking you to forgive me of all my sin based upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when a person does that, 
and, and they, they, uh, God gives them eternal life. And at the moment that he gives them eternal life, he forgives them of all their sins. So the first thing you have to do in order to cultivate a forgiving spirit is to be forgiven yourself. Secondly, realize how great a sinner you are. Um, honestly, most of us, I think, think a whole lot more of ourselves than we really ought to think. The truth of the matter is we're not really as great as we think we are. I, I love the descriptions that the Apostle Paul gives in his epistles of himself. He called himself the least of the apostles. Man, as I'm looking at Scripture, I think he was one of the greatest apostles, but he saw himself as the least of the apostles. Uh, he said, said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He wasn't referring to just the time before salvation when he persecuted the church of God and, and was, was the cause of people's deaths and imprisonment. Uh, he's talking about his whole life. He said, of whom I am chief right now at the, at the present day. Now, do you think that, uh, that the apostle Paul was the chief of all sinners? Probably not. I know I don't think so. But he did. That's how he viewed his sin. He viewed his sin as being so awful and so horrible that he was the chief of sinners. And great sin requires great forgiveness. The more you realize how great a sinner you are, the, the more you appreciate the forgiveness that you get. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. This is a, a story that Jesus gave, beginning in verse 21, and he's giving it to, to Peter. And, and uh, he's giving it to Peter in order to describe the importance of forgiveness. And in verse 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Now that's 490. That doesn't mean that you keep track, okay? That doesn't mean you keep a little tally card with a person's name on it. Every time that they have sinned against you, you just go ahead and, and uh, put, a, put a mark there. He, he's saying, listen, there is an enormity of forgiveness that you have received. There is an enormity of forgiveness that you ought to be willing to give. And he illustrates it in the, in the following story. In verse 23, he says, There is, therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And whenever he says a certain king, I'm of the opinion that he's talking about a particular king, a particular person. This isn't a, a made-up parable. This is a true story. And he says in verse 24, And when he had begun to reckon... One was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. And verse 30, uh, 
26, it says, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. I've studied on this a little bit, and what I'm coming up with historically is that this debt was not even possible for one man to repay in a lifetime. In other words, he's asking for more time, but in reality, he doesn't even have the time nor the resources in order to pay this man back, but he's asking for time. He didn't get time. He got something else. Verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He didn't give him time. He says, I forgive you. The debt is no longer. You owe nothing. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence, which isn't anything in comparison to what he owed to the, to the king. And uh, it says, uh, uh, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me that thou owest. Now, there's a, a big difference between the way the king responded and reacted and the way that this man who has been forgiven responded and reacted. He was angry. Uh, and again, uh, when, a, when a person, when a person uh, lacks forgiveness, uh, they become angry people. They become angry. Uh, they become very impatient with others. And that's exactly what was happening here. And he, and he says in verse, verse 29, and his servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay thee all. And he would not, but went out and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, again, uh, you know, he went to the man that he owed the money to and, and asked him for patience and he got mercy. Uh, because a great debt really can't be paid. Uh, and, and, and your sin debt, you can't pay it. It was impossible for you to pay it. That is why Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know, I've heard it said, I was told this years ago, if, if, uh, if there's anything I could have done to pay the debt of sin to my God, Jesus Christ would not have had to come to this earth. He would not have had to live 33 and a half years. He would not have had to die a cruel death on Calvary's cross. But because I couldn't pay it at all, he had to pay it all. When he said it is finished, what he meant is the payments made full, full payment. That means all of your sin is taken care of and it was taken care of on the cross. Man, that's exciting, amen? That's a good thing to know. Uh, and and it's, 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 what that is, is that's mercy because I couldn't pay it in the first place. And by the way, uh, understand that uh, anybody who has anything to salvation says, you know, that they'll say, well, you, you trust Christ as Savior, but then you better be careful after you're saved because you could lose it. Listen, you can't lose what you didn't pay for in the first place. You didn't pay for it, Christ did. And he paid not some of it, not most of it, he paid all of it, all of it. And it was a huge debt that you could not pay. 
So one of the things we need to realize is just realize how great of a sinner we are. You know, one of the things that I, I pick up a lot in a lot of the songs in our songbook is, is the, the greatness of our sin against God. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. What's the, what's the songwriter saying? I couldn't pay it. Uh, it was too great a debt. And you, 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 uh, we sing song after song after song like that that just talks about the fact that, that the forgiveness was great. The forgiveness was great because the sin was great. And great sin demands great forgiveness. The third thing that we need to do is to spend time cultivating our relationship with God through the word of God and through prayer on a day-by-day basis. A forgiving person is a person who has a close personal relationship with God. Uh, The clearer we see who God is, and, and this is one of the things that as, as you get older in Christ, you really, you really begin to see that one of, the, one of the things you need to understand more and more and more is who our God is. And the more you understand who he is, the more you see how much patience he's had, not just with mankind. You know, I was, I was reading here just recently uh, about, once again, about the, the flood and how that God flooded out the earth, and after he did, he said he wouldn't, he wouldn't flood out the earth anymore, and he put a rainbow in the sky so that it was a, a, a reminder of the covenant that he made with mankind that he would not flood out the earth again. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a God of, of great patience. That's a God of great mercy, and it's good that he's that way with all mankind, but let me tell you something. He's that way with you personally. He's that way with me personally. And I'm a, a recipient every day of great abundant mercy and great abundant patience. And the more you understand that that's the God whom you're dealing with and that he's doing that with and for you personally, then it's a whole lot easier to say, well, if God's been patient with me, I guess I can be patient with so-and-so. If God's been merciful to me, I guess I can be merciful to so-and-so. If, uh, if God has forgiven me of the terrible things that I've done, then compare, in comparison, what this person has done to me, I'm just a person. Uh, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Uh, it puts it in the proper perspective. Uh, offenses will come. <laughs> you know, Jesus said that. He said, offenses will come. You're going to have people do terrible things to you. You know, I've had conversations with folks about, I don't understand how so-and-so could do such and such. And, you know, I I look at some of those situations and I scratch my head and say, no, I don't understand it either. But I'll I'll tell you this, uh, those things can happen. Terrible things can happen. But there's nothing that can happen to you that God doesn't give you the ability to forgive simply because he's already forgiven you over and over and over again. So spend time cultivating that relationship with God through the word of God and prayer. 
Next thing that we can do to, to cultivate and develop a forgiving spirit is realize the cost of your forgiveness. Uh, the cost of your forgiveness was Christ paying the price on the cross for something he did not do. Uh, he was guilty of nothing, and yet he took the full payment for your sin and for mine. He took the full, full beating for our actions. And what that means is there's going to come times when you're going to kind of get beat up too because of other people's stupid actions. Are you willing to forgive them? Christ forgave you, and he didn't forgive you of some of them and most of them. He forgave you of all of them. Are you willing to pass on that forgiveness to others? The next thing that we, that we can do to cultivate a forgiving spirit is allow the Holy Spirit to, to love others through you. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. This is a passage of scripture that has not only helped me personally, but it's helped, it's helped me try to be a blessing and a help to others. You get, you get involved in ministry. You get involved in serving God. You get involved in living for God. And you're going to get burnt. You know, I was asking a, a older Christian one time. This is years ago. I said, what's the greatest lesson you've learned in the Christian life? Well, brother, I've learned you have never been burnt until you've been burnt by a brother. Well, that's somebody who doesn't have a very forgiving spirit. That, that was a person, and I, I didn't realize that. I didn't ask it to try to trip him up or anything like that. I didn't expect that kind of an answer. But that's someone, that, that's someone who... who uh, uh, has allowed bitterness to creep in and uh, has forgotten, really, about how much God has forgiven them. Uh, one of the things we're supposed to do is, is allow the Holy Spirit to love others through us. And we can do that according to Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. And understand this, that prior to this, there's, there's chapter after chapter after chapter in the beginning of Romans about the doctrine of salvation, and which is also the doctrine of forgiveness. And now when he gets on the other side of it, from chapter 12 on, he talks about practical ways to live that doctrine that you believe. One of the practical ways you can do that is 17 through 21. It says, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. In other words, when someone does something evil to you, don't lash out, don't, don't get back at them. It's not your place. Uh, verse 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Who uh, can show wrath? Only God. Uh, the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Uh, you have, uh, wrath has no place in your life. Wrath has no place in mine. Uh, I give that wrath to God. If God wants to show it, he can. If he wants to withhold it, he can do that too. For it is written, vengeance is mine. It's not yours. It's not your job to straighten somebody out. 
You ever been frustrated because someone just won't listen? Well, well, uh, you know, you can tell them what you need to tell them and you can do what you need to do, but after you're done with all of that, it's out of your hands. And God says, vengeance is mine. He says, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. You know, God doesn't say, well, if your enemy uh, gives you problems, just walk away. He doesn't say that at all. He says, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your enemy has offended you, has trespassed against you, if someone has done something, you need to be aggressive. But it's not in the way that we would think. The aggressiveness is found in verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. In other words, look for a need that he's got and fill the need. Not with the idea of getting anything in return, but just being a blessing. Uh, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You're getting out of the way so God can get in and do the work that only he can do in that person's heart. And you can't do that if you don't have a forgiving spirit. Now, I don't believe this, and I, I've read a lot of things, particularly over this last week. I've read, read several uh, articles that have, have implied that you ought to just go around dispensing forgiveness to everybody, whether they ask for it or not. I don't find that in Scripture. But I do find this. You better already have a forgiving heart before they ask you, or you'll not be able to deliver. <laughs> and just like God, and this, this really helped me understand, in, in, the, in the Gospels, Peter's asking Christ about forgiveness. And one of the things that the Lord Jesus tells him, he says, if he repent, forgive him. He's talking about having a conversation back and forth. He says, if, if he repent, forgive him. Well, what's the obvious, what's the obvious uh, uh, response if he doesn't repent? Well, you don't forgive him. But you better forgive him in the first level like Christ, and boy, this is what helped me tremendously. It says, as Christ hath forgiven you. How did Christ forgive me? On two levels. First one was sonship, and he just blanket gave me forgiveness. Past, present, future, even sins I haven't committed yet. Second level is dispensing it for fellowship sake. If Listen, if the, if the repentance isn't there, the forgiveness is not to be dispensed. But it better be resident in your heart. Because if it's not there, you don't have it to give. And you've got to already have a forgiving heart toward that person. And then verse 21 of, of chapter 12 has tremendously helped me over and over again. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. If the only way to overcome evil is by doing good, it's not by having an attitude. It's not by revenge. It's not by bitterness. It's certainly not by any kind of unforgiveness. 
overcome evil with good. That's the only way you're going to do it. You say, yeah, but I've seen people that have done good in order to overcome evil and have gotten smashed. So what? So have I. I've seen that too on the cross. Lord Jesus Christ was mocked, ridiculed, forsaken. He died for our sins, and he did absolutely nothing wrong. Well, I'll tell you what. He overcame evil with good because he paid the price for all of my sin, and my sin's forgiven because he overcame evil with good. And so the Lord Jesus says, listen, just like what I did for you, you can do for somebody else. Uh, we can't manufacture forgiveness, but we can do things that will allow the, the Spirit of God to show love and forgiveness through us. And as we yield and surrender to God, God gives us a forgiving spirit. Um, I believe that a an unforgiving spirit has causes and will have its roots in bitterness. And oftentimes that bitterness is even toward God himself. In other words, because something adverse happened to you through an, a particular individual and you are struggling with forgiving that individual, you're really upset with God because he allowed it to happen. And the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, what you have done against God is far greater than anything that anybody could ever do against you. And so God says, listen, I have forgiven you, and now I expect you, just like that man in, in Matthew chapter 18, who has been forgiven, when someone comes and asks for help in that area, you ought to be willing to forgive them in a heartbeat. Why? Because you've been greatly forgiven yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through your life. And then, then last of all, understand how costly an unforgiving heart is. Uh, an unforgiving heart will cost you much. Uh, pardon is cheaper than resentment and bitterness. I've seen what resentment and bitterness does. Uh, I've seen what it, what it started to do a few times in my life, and I don't, didn't like it. I've watched other people. I've watched Christian people, saved people, who have resentment in their hearts towards somebody, something, some church. You know, I was burned. Well, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> You know, you can't, you can't be saved for very long and not, not get burned if you're doing something for God. Uh, it's just going to happen. Uh, it, it, it hurts you the most. In Matthew 18 and verse 34, the, the end of that fella that refused to forgive the man that owed him so little, he was delivered to the tormentors. Man, I've seen that. I've watched it. I've watched Christians be tormented on the inside because of a lack of forgiveness. Um, go with me over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, and look down with me in verse uh, 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. In other words, the grace of God is there to allow you to, to have a forgiving spirit 
But if you don't take it, if you don't, you don't allow the Spirit of God to work through you, then you'll fail of that grace. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. It does two things. It troubles you and it defiles many. That's a terrible price to pay. And I've watched it. I've watched it affect friendships. I've watched it affect homes. I've... I, Again, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. We watched a father's bitterness get passed on to a son. And then the son is even more bitter than the father about different things. Um, you know, I, I've, I've heard a saying, and I, I've, I've seen it true. I've seen it bear fruit over and over again, what the children, what the Excuse me. What the parents do in moderation, the children will do in excess, and and I've seen that. I've I've watched that. I saw it in that particular case. Uh, it troubles you. It defiles others, and and it blocks forgiveness from God for you. Go with me to Matthew chapter six. This is just how serious this is. Matthew chapter six. God basically says, if, if, you don't, if you don't forgive like you ought to, and, and you come to me for forgiveness, I'll withhold it. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As a, as, as a saved individual... You want that fellowship restored every time you sin against your God. But if you refuse to forgive others, there's a block there for you receiving forgiveness from him. So, so the question is, how forgiving are you? Let me just ask you some questions and we'll be done. Have you, have you received full forgiveness of all your sins from Jesus Christ by trusting him and by faith as your personal savior? If you take that first step, are you absolutely positive that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Do you know for sure your sins are forgiven and you're confident of that fact? If you're not, we're going to give an invitation here in just a minute. And I would, I would encourage you, if you're here, to come forward. Take my hand and say, Pastor, I'd like to get that thing settled. It's been bothering me for a long time. Uh, or maybe it's just been bothering you just today. I don't know. But you don't have that absolute assurance don't leave this service without being absolutely positive that your sins are forgiven and that you're heading for heaven. Secondly, do you realize the huge amount of forgiveness that God has dispensed to you? Are you cognizant of it? Have you thought about how great your debt was to God that he paid for you? Thirdly, is there anyone whom you've not forgiven is there somebody who when their name is mentioned you get owly uh when uh you see those that that individual there's some resentment in your heart if there's some resentment if there's some anger there's some unforg uh, uh, there's some unforgiveness that's there 
and, and just simply ask yourself this, is there offense against you greater than yours has ever been against God? Well, no, it, it isn't. Uh, your offenses against God have been much greater, and my offenses against God have been much greater than anything anybody could do to me. Next question is, are, are you aggressive, angry, or impatient with others? If you are, there's probably some unforgiveness somewhere in your heart. Are you easily offended? Uh, are you preparing for offenses by daily cultivating a relationship with your God through the word of God and prayer? One of the first questions I ask anyone who, who comes to me for counsel, and some of you have done that, you know that this to be true. Uh, one of the first questions I'll ask you is, okay, you got a problem, you got a conflict with somebody, uh, maybe there's some bitterness, may, who knows what it is, but it's a complicated situation. Are you spending time every day in prayer and reading your Bible? In other words, are you cultivating a relationship with your God? That's absolutely essential. And then last of all, have you done specific acts of good toward those who have offended you or done you evil? What kind of a forgiving spirit are you cultivating? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon the things that we've heard this morning. Lord, forgiveness is an important issue. It was important to us for our eternal salvation. And if there's anyone here this morning that is unsure of their standing before you, is unsure of that forgiveness that can come freely through Jesus Christ, I pray during this invitation, that person would step out, would come down, take my hand, say, I got to get that thing settled. We'll have someone take the word of God and show them how they can get it settled and get it settled for all eternity. Lord, there may be someone here that has received that forgiveness, but is struggling with dispensing it to one person, maybe several people. Lord, I pray that they would latch on to some things that they've heard this morning and take the steps that are necessary to get that thing resolved. Uh, Lord, uh, that, that whole principle of overcoming evil with good, what a blessing that has been to me. And that, that certainly uh, helps because you've told us that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And when we overcome evil with good, some of our treasure goes with that individual and we start having a forgiving spirit, we start having a loving spirit. Lord, I, I just pray that you would do a work that only you can do right now, and as you speak to hearts, God, may we respond in a favorable way to you. This invitation is dedicated to you, and Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts, and may we do what you're prompting us to do in our hearts today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.